All right. Good morning, everybody. Again, welcome to New Life Church. So glad that you're here with us this morning. How many of you are truly thankful for God's presence in your life? Amen. Thankful for the presence of God. Amen. Love this. Love this opportunity to inspire and encourage one another. Thank you, Hershey and your team uh, for leading us in praise and worship. And today we, uh, we've got a special, it's not really a guest, he's, he's family here to, to our church. And uh, I've known Pastor Rick now for about 25 years, um, and he's only 35. So, uh, you know, he was just a young guy, you know, preaching. Yeah. And so anyway, Pastor Rick is, and Susan, uh, they serve as one of our outside elders here for our church. And would love for them to be with us at least once a year. Last year, I think they made it uh I think twice, or the year before it was twice, but anyway, we'd like to have them here at least once a year. Uh, Pastor Susan was unable to make this trip, and so if you're looking around looking for her, she's not here. He'll, uh, uh, Pastor Rick will explain about that, but, uh, but <laughs> everything's good. <laughs> There's no problems. There's no duffel bag stuffed with anything, so she's good. Uh, he's not, they're all good, but uh, anyway, Pastor Rick has a powerful teaching anointing, praise and worship anointing as well, but also moves in the prophetic. And uh, today we just want to give him our undue, uh, divided, undivided attention. Uh, yeah, not undue, but undivided attention. Uh, <laughs> it's my first time with a microphone, can't you tell? And, uh, and, but let me get off this thing before I ruin today, and everybody leaves and goes home. So help me welcome my friend, my brother, my father in the faith, Pastor Rick Bennett. And let's welcome Prentice to the front as he. <laughs> Susan and I are doing really well. <laughs> In case you wonder why she didn't. Um, it's a long drive out here without my wife. I promise you that. I, I found myself talking to myself in the car. But um, uh, God's good. We're doing really well. Uh, some of you know we have a real battle going on back in Memphis. I moved, didn't I? <laughs> back in um, Phoenix, we have a real battle going on. Uh, one of our elders' wives, some of you may know her, Carolyn Sims, is battling uh, cancer, pancreatic cancer. And I, I will say this. The latest report is this, it's, not it's not being aggressive anymore, which is a good sign. I, I wish they would have said it was gone. But the fact that it was stage four and aggressive and growing, and then they said, nothing's changed. I felt like in my spirit that they said it's been arrested. And so we're really believing for that. But Susan takes care of Carolyn quite a bit uh, during the week and just not, not feel it was the time for her to leave. And, uh, but she sends her love and blessings, and her little table is set up back there. I'm sure Haley and them did a great job, so you guys can check out the resource table in the back. And uh, anything you purchase back there goes toward our uh, outreach to the Native Americans. What I was hearing, I, I just want to get on into this because I really feel like the Lord wants to activate some things today. So will you just open your heart up for a few minutes and then we're going to, I want us to follow. One thing about it, how many of you hear a good word and then you almost feel like you kind of go out the door and you're like, what did I do with what I heard? And uh, what I'm going to share with you today is going to probably be for most of you nothing you've never heard before. But I do feel like prophetically the Lord was saying that if we want to break through, then what are we breaking through into? Because a lot of people want a breakthrough, but really what they want is just to feel better about themselves or whatever, but they don't really want to do anything different. And I heard the Lord saying, break camp. Break camp and cross over. Now, how many of you know, you may feel like, well, I'm already saved, brother. I'm already in my purpose and destiny. But even when you've been serving the Lord a while, there's times you camp in places God didn't want you to camp. 
Are y'all with me? And so that pattern is actually given us in the Bible. I, I love this time of year. I love the spring feast of the Lord. Everybody calls them the Jewish feast. No, they're the feast of the Lord. They're the feast of the Lord. It's his appointed times. And they're very powerful. But let me just say this to you. How many of you know Passover, even though it was about an event, you know, where the death angel passed over the homes of the Jewish people that put the blood on the doorpost, uh, Jesus is our Passover lamb. In fact, the Bible says that every, uh, every one of the Jewish feasts were fulfilled in Jesus. They're carried out and fulfilled. We learn from them. But the remembrance of them is not so we can just remember and have a holiday. It's actually to stir us up about maybe what we've forgotten about. What does it mean when Jesus is your Passover lamb? And what does it mean? The, the resurrection, you know, I'm sorry, you know, no offense, but Easter is not the day of the Lord in Christianity. It's first fruits. He was the firstborn raised from the dead. And so it speaks a lot about our new life. Pentecost, it doesn't mean the only time you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost is on Pentecost. Pentecost is a remembrance that at that Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was poured out, and He will be poured out until the day of the Lord comes. That was the sign of the last days. Y'all getting that? So if anything, it should stir us up. And anything we read in this Bible, the history of Israel and everything was actually written for our example, to be a people of faith. So when you really think about it, the only time really God got irritated with His people was when they camped, and they didn't keep moving. So I think the breakthrough that we're looking for individually and corporately is really determined on what are we looking at, what are we focusing on. And so with that, I'd like to take you to a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote, and I want to just kind of set that up today, and then I'm just going to kind of see where the Holy Spirit wants to go for a few minutes because I really do feel like we need to activate this word. But if you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is a little bit long, but I need to read it in context so I can make some comments about it. This is what I'm hearing the Holy Spirit saying I actually brought this message forth in several places on the reservation last week. And I'm preaching here today, and I feel like the Lord's having me share this everywhere I go lately. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 9. He said, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. With most of them, God was not well pleased. They were drinking of the same thing everybody else was drinking. But God was not pleased with them. For they were laid low in the wilderness. Now how many of you know the problem we have is 12 spies went into the land really quickly. Just, I'm bringing it up to date. 12 spies went into the land. They came back. Ten of them came back with an evil report. And here's the thing, they, they, they reported the same enemy, the same fortified cities, the same giants that Joshua and Caleb reported. But how they saw it was totally different. And they literally moved the majority of that generation into unbelief and passivity. And they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years. Everybody say 40 years in a wilderness. And they were laid low there. Now look what it says. Now these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved and not become idolaters as some of them were, as it is written that people sat down to eat and drink and they stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did or grumble against the Lord as some of them did and they were destroyed by who? The destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an, as an example, say an example, and they were written for our 
instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. If you read the Bible as a history book, it will never change your life. But if you read the Bible as a testimony, it will change your life every time. Because the testimony of Jesus is all through the Word of God, and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The very word you and I need to catapult us and move us forward and give us our breakthrough is the very word that comes through many, many times through the word that we've already been given. But if we read it as just we know stories, right? A lot of people know the Easter story, but they don't know the power of resurrection working in their life. Are you with me? But know what happened at Pentecost. We read about it. We could quote Acts chapter 2. But do we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And so that's what we have to be careful of. We are not to do what that first generation did. We're actually to do what the Joshua generation did. Did y'all know the name Joshua is the same name Jesus in the Hebrew? Are y'all with me? It's Yeshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh is deliverance. That's the meaning of the name, it's salvation. And interestingly, Joshua is just rendered in English from the Hebrew Jesus is rendered in English from the Greek. It's a transliteration. So they're both the same name, interestingly. And our Joshua, Jesus, is leading us into someplace different than where we're sitting. And here's the thing I keep hearing. A lot of people don't understand this, and I, I think it's, a, it's something we need to emphasize more in the church. You were born again and entered into the kingdom for significance. As a church and as an individual and as a family and as a marriage and your church, we were to have significance. Amen? Because it's not just about getting into heaven. But how many of you know most of the gospel that's preached in the world, and especially in America, is just about getting into heaven. And it's, it's a total turnaround of what God called us for. I'm not to live to die to go to heaven. I'm to live to see the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Shout me down, but that's the word. That's the gospel of the kingdom of Almighty God. The good news of the kingdom. God did not free that first generation so they would die in the desert. Did he? That's not why he did it. He brought them out of slavery, which is a sign of our salvation, correct? But he didn't bring them out to leave them there. So we have a generation that dies in the desert, as we know. And it took 40 years for them to die off. And actually, the years that were promised to them was like more like 120. But they died young and died early because of it. They were on the wrong side of the Jordan. And I want to look at one other thing this morning. Well, at least one other thing. In Joshua 1, you've heard this before, but I just want to read it to you. I just want to remind you of what happens. Now, Joshua, you remember, he was Moses' right-hand man. You with me? He served with Moses. He worshiped in the tent of meeting with Moses. He knew the glory of God. In fact, when Moses would leave the tent of meeting, Joshua would still be in there. He loved the presence. He was a worshiper. And in, in verse number 1 of Joshua 1, it said, It came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. I believe Joshua knew that. I mean, sometimes God will say something to you you already know, but you don't really know it. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm going to give them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you. Just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. Everybody say it out loud. I will not fail you or forsake you. Say that. 
I will not fail you. Or Does it sound familiar? I will never leave you, Jesus said, or forsake you. I will not fail you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your your mouth, but you shall meditate on it every Sunday morning. Now, day and night, are y'all with me? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then. Everybody say then. You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The only reason God always says throughout the Word of God to all the patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, be strong and courageous, is because every time you want to get a breakthrough and do something for God, fear will present itself to you. Amen? Every time you want to step into some new territory, I promise you, Fear confronted Peter when he said, Lord, bid me to come. And, and he heard the words. Maybe he did. I, I don't, Have you ever asked God to give you a word and he gave you one and you didn't want to hear it? I don't know. I, Peter probably was thinking, did he say come? He probably looked around at all the other guys. He said, come, dummy, get out. You know, go on, take a try. And fear will always present itself to what you're going to do. Amen? We see the Lord is awakening Joshua here. And there's a remnant of people that believe with Joshua and Caleb. They were ready to take in. And God is saying to them, Moses is dead, but my move is not. Will y'all hear that? The past moves of God are dead, but God's not through moving. Amen? And we've got to learn sometimes how to walk away from our Moseses. I'm not dissing Moses when I say that. I'm just talking about what God used to do. We've got to move into what God's doing now. Anybody want to be a part of what God's doing now? Amen. But see, we've got to lose, and I just want to say this, and I think it's okay to say this in the Bible Belt for sure. We've got to lose the escapism mentality. When people talk about, you know, there's some really good prophecy conferences and there's some really bad ones. There's the prophecy conferences that talk about what God's leading us into and where things are going, and we should understand the times we live in. And then there's prophecy conferences that are predicting his coming, and it's all about camping out till he comes. It's escapism. We just want to get out of here. Instead of do what God's called us to do. You're all with me? Come on now. Jesus said, not the latest prophecy teacher. Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations as a witness unto them. And then the end shall come. That's our assignment. That's our assignment, New Life. That's our assignment, Gathering Place. That's assignment to the church in America. Our assignment is the gospel to the nations. Amen? To all nations, to all ethnicities, all people groups. And we, too, live among an apostate people. Interestingly, as apostate as Joshua's generation was, Jesus said we would also have a great falling away. And I don't think it's always meaning a falling away, like walking away from the faith altogether. I know a lot of people that don't even believe half of what they used to believe about the Holy Spirit. Have you all noticed that? Am I the only one that notices that? People that used to be just everything God had been restoring and all the excitement, and now it's almost like, yeah, well, we used to believe that. And we used to press into that. And we used to want that. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to be apostate. Are y'all with me? I don't want to camp any longer, man. When I camp, I'm never a good guy. Number one, I hate camping in the natural. No offense. Camping to me is a Holiday Inn Express. 
with a free breakfast in the morning. I know you're thinking, you go to one of the reservations. Well, don't let me tell me my stories. But anyway, but our assignment, and I believe we live among a generation. I think one of the greatest challenges, I want to really encourage you. I want to encourage leaders. I want to encourage all of you. I think one of the greatest things is, is it's not popular to run after what God is saying to do right now. Because so many people have kind of pulled back, and they think our existence is just all about just trying to grow a church and trying to, and I'm telling you, I'm all about growing the church, and I'm all about that, but there's something God's wanting to do. Here's the thing. The walk of faith is never passive. It's never passive. We, we're supposed to fight a good fight of faith, right? Why is it good? Everybody look at me. The fight's fixed. That's why it's good. If you'll fight the right fight, you will win. But don't think you don't have to fight. Amen? Passivity has lured many into lukewarmness. It's lured us into uh, drowsiness, into an indifference about the things of God. I battle it all the time. Come on. Usually the worst for a preacher is Monday morning. Or sometimes Sunday afternoon driving home. Passivity comes in. Joshua and Caleb, though, the Bible says, had a different spirit. Some translations say excellent, but it literally means they, they thought and perceived and saw things differently than everybody else. How many want to be in that group? I want to see things not by everything around me and my circumstances. I want to see what God is seeing. I want, to, I want to be able to behold what's going on. We need that for Jackson and for Dyersburg, right? We need that for this West Tennessee. We need to see things like God sees them. It's gonna, it, that'll move you to your breakthrough. I believe that with all my heart. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. They perceived things differently. Think about it. When, when the ten spies came back, they said, oh, it's a good land. But all their attention was this. Giants, fortified cities, massive armies, we're going to die. We try to take this land. What did they do? They magnified the enemy. Joshua and Caleb come back and go, man, this is an awesome land. It is so cool. You ought to see the grapes, Right? Yeah, Texas grapes. And, and, and they come back, and, and Joshua and Caleb, and they said, and yes, there's giants in the land, and the cities are fortified, and there is an enemy there, but our God is able. And we are able to go up and take the country. Amen? And I'll tell you, we, I remember I used to sing that, and I didn't even know what it meant. When I was in the early days of worship leading and singing all the worship choruses, I didn't even know what that song meant, what it stood for. I just knew we were taking down giants somewhere. Amen. Are y'all with me? Our God is able. Say, God is able. Come on, we're not alone. We're not alone. He hasn't forsaken us. Hallelujah. We too are to be a people who seek after the kingdom with a different spirit. You know why you got to have a different spirit? How many know God gladly gives us the kingdom? Right? You were born again to see and enter the kingdom. You agree? Now, so we, we know that. And we know there's a kingdom to come where it will actually be established upon the earth. But in the meantime, the kingdom's in you and me. And yet there seems to be such a struggle. But here's what Jesus said. The kingdom suffers violence against it. But the violent take it by force. Now, we're not talking about physical violence. We're talking about a spiritual violence. There, there's something about, there's a tenaciousness we need to have in the spirit about the things of God. Amen? To press through because there is resistance. And you know, when I'm, when it, whenever, whenever we're doing a trip or a ministry trip or a missions outreach or whatever, and it goes too smooth, I get worried. Because resistance usually tells me we're on to something here. God's getting ready to have a breakthrough. Even though the sound system didn't work or whatever, you know, you, you come all these little things, and there's this resistance that comes, and yet that usually is a good sign. You're right on track. Are you all with me? Are you all with me? 
there's a Yeshua generation that says we're breaking camp. Amen? And we're going to cross over. Y'all want to do that? We have not been saved to die in the wilderness of insignificance. Okay? We've not been saved to that. But we've been saved to inherit our promised land. Here's something the Lord spoke to me about a month ago. And he told me to remind my people there's two areas of your inheritance. If y'all hear anything else this morning before we pray, I want you to get this. The first area of your inheritance, get this, is the covenant. It's the first area of your promised land. You've got to take this first. This needs to be at the foremost because, see, that will determine how you enter into the rest of your inheritance is your prophetic assignment. But you can't enter into your... Remember what he said to Joshua? Now, the, 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 the law, the, the covenant that Joshua was under required him to what? Meditate in it day and night and be careful to do it. Keep it in his heart. Keep it in his mouth. But that's new covenant too. How do you keep the word near to you? In your mouth and in your heart. And we're to abide in the word of God too. And this covenant of the word of God is what actually causes us to be successful in our prophetic assignment. The Lord spoke to me. How many of you believe this? That the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every testimony is a prophetic word if your heart's open that that's for you too. Right? But there is nothing more powerful than your testimony. But you know, a lot, I'm just going to be honest with you. A lot of Christians don't have a lot of testimonies. They'll quote somebody else's testimony. That's better than nothing. But there ain't nothing like when you talk about what happened to you and how God delivered you and how God healed you and how God healed your marriage. Amen? How God set your life on fire. That testimony prophesies. And I'll tell you what, if you will become committed to saying, I'm going to be a man or woman of covenant, then guess what? You'll have the testimony. Amen? Because God honors the covenant, and we need to understand that. Joshua's success depended upon him. It depended upon him. Even though God spoke to him and awakened him spiritually to rise up, it depended upon him to be a covenant man. Amen? And that's not separate of the spirit. And we can't do this with Western thinking. Analytical, cognitive thinking. It's a spiritual thing. This book is a living book. Hallelujah. And it's covenant men and women that do exploits. My favorite verse, I preached it when Jeremy was a, a wee little thing. I was going to say earlier, I, when he was talking about years and how many years, I said, yeah, I knew Jeremy before he was formed in his mother's womb. But then I realized that was God that knew him then. Daniel eleven thirty two 32 is my favorite verse with the youth group. Did, you, did I give you all that one? By, now, he looked at the beginning of that verse. It talked about the enemy. By smooth words, he will what? Come on, y'all talk to me. He will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward what? The covenant. Everybody say, but the people who know their God will display strength and they'll take action. I believe the King James says they will rise up and do exploits. Notice here, people that act wickedly toward the covenant, they're not going to do any exploits. And how you really get to know God. And always remember this about the word know or knowledge. In Hebrew and in Greek, it doesn't mean, again, cognitive facts and figures in your brain. It means experience. Amen? You could read a book about my life and you would know about me, but you don't know me unless we have a relationship. God's actually calling us to have a relationship with the Word. And you might think, well, that's a stretch. Well, Jesus was the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? And God's calling us to come into that living relationship. With the word of God. Covenant keepers will rise up and do exploits. Anybody want to be a part of that? 
Do y'all believe this is a historical book? And it's accurate. It's been proven. It's an exciting book to read, right? But it's also living and active. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. They're life-giving spiritual words. And with the relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can have that. Amen? Amen? That covenant relationship. We're to inherit the promises of God. Jesus would send his disciples out to announce the kingdom, and he would tell them to to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to cleanse the lepers. And then he said, freely you've received, freely give. We need to be big-time receivers so that we can be big-time givers. And we need to be big-time givers so we can receive all the more. Because if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Amen? I told that to people that are wanting a healing. I said, start, start ministering healing. Start praying for people. Amen? You want to break through in your life in a certain way? We all know that about finances. You need a blessing? You better start giving. Amen? Because if you give, guess what? It that you gave, that applies to anything. That, that that you gave will come back to you. Good measure. Come on, talk to me. Press down, shaking together, running over. Men will pour into your lap. Hallelujah. And that'll, that's anything, unfortunately, for good or evil. Give out strife, confusion, hatred, meanness. Guess what? It'll come back to you. The other religions of the world call it karma. Ain't nothing new under the sun. God came up with it first. Amen. I love this passage in 2 Peter 1 really quickly. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received the faith as the same kind of ours, as kind as ours. If you're going to have faith, you want to have the kind like theirs. Amen. By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us, talk to me, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us into his own glory and excellence. For by these he's granted to us his, what does it say? Precious and magnificent promises. So that by them, say by them, by the precious and magnificent promises, we may become what? This is so cool. Partakers of the divine nature of God. How many of you have ever done something you go, I don't know where that came from. You're not partaking of the right nature. Amen? Anybody want in your life to where anything that comes out of you is the nature of God? Hallelujah. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. That word precious means you are honoring and treasuring it as highly valuable and costly. I mean, you know, those promises were costly because the covenant we have was ratified with the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. He ratified this covenant in his blood. Amen? See, covenants, there, there is no stronger word in the Bible about relationships than covenant. And I know we've had some bad examples of it in, in relationships, and people throw that word around. Here's the other part of promises that I love. He calls them magnificent. And I looked it up, and it means exceedingly great. We just celebrated Easter. I like to say resurrection power. I mean, you don't get any higher power than that. Amen? When Lazarus came out of that tomb, he just didn't wake up. He'd been dead four days. And resurrection power, because resurrection was standing there. He said, I am the resurrection. And he called that man forth. Every cell in his body had to be re-energized. Every organ had to come back to life. Think about it. He didn't drift off for a few minutes. They shopped him with the paddles, and he came back. This guy was dead and rotting. 
That's resurrection power. There's no greater power than to make something dead live. Amen? So there's hope for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But see, do we find these precious? Is the word precious to us? I heard the Lord say this to me. If you'll start treasuring my covenant again. Because here's the thing for me. You can get to that place after years. You're kind of like, well, I know that. Or I've heard that. That's why you got to abide in it. Consistently. Even challenge yourself. Is there's areas that the covenant's not operating in my life. And I need to stand on the word of God. And the Lord told me, he said, if you'll start treasuring and, and find my word precious again, you will get to share in the magnificence of it. And that brings you into a relationship with God that's un- incomparable. Another verse that I love so much in this same theme is 2 Corinthians 1.18. Look here. As God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. Tell your neighbor, God is faithful. Our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is yes in him. In Jesus, the word is yes. There's never a no. I may not always be able to explain to you why it seemed like there was a no. But that ain't the point. The point is this. In Jesus, the promises are yes. Aren't you glad? God is not moody. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Amen. He's not a moody God. He doesn't have a bad day. Hello, that's pretty cool. His mercies are new. Every morning, great is his faithfulness. Hallelujah. That's why we sing to him and worship him. Amen. That reality. And the best part is the next verse. Do we have that one? I love that. Say it out loud. For as many as are the promises of God, even in the old covenant. As many of them as there are in him, speaking of Jesus, they are yes. But finish it. And this translation does a much better job than the one we all memorize. This this really helps us understand it. Therefore, in other words, get this, therefore, therefore, okay? In other words, understanding what we just learned, what do we do? Through him is our Amen to the glory of God. The last two words are critical. Through us. Your amen can be very religious. Amen. Now y'all scared to even say it. Most people say it religiously. The word literally means simply it's a verbal agreement saying so be it. Mary's amen was this way. Be it unto me. According to your word. That was her amen of what the angel promised her as a word from God that she would bear a son. Right? She amended. it. And however you want to amen it, you can amen and say the word amen if you know what you're doing. But I want you to see this. God, in this covenant, God, in the power of his spirit, in the power of his magnificent promises, God is saying, I want to show my glory through you. It's through your life. It's through your children. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love what it says about Abraham. It said, Abraham considered his own flesh. He was nearly 100 years old. His wife was nearly 90. 
had never had a child. So he's, they're both not fertile. Come on. Life proved that. And now they're old. And he said he contemplated that and said, yet, I love this. New American Standard says it this way. Yet, with respect for the promises of God, he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and did not waver in unbelief until he became fully assured. Anybody want to get to full assurance? you got to abide in the Word. you got to stay in the Word and develop your faith, giving glory to God. Amen? I love that. And I heard the Lord just say to remind you, respect the promises of God. Respect the covenant. Because that's how He functions in our lives. It shows His glory through our lives. Are you all with me? The Word of God, man. It's the Word of God. Nothing will move demons more than the Word of God. It is written. Amen? And this is powerful. And by His covenant promises, He'll show His glory. Hebrews tells us this, that we're to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit That's why I said, the first area of your inheritance, I believe all the words you've received are true. Some of you will go to nations. You'll go to different things. God's called you to do things. I think that's awesome, but you better possess the first land of your covenant, your first land of your inheritance, which is the covenant of God, as you go forth inheriting the promises. I love it said, in the Hebrews it also says, this covenant we have with God is a better covenant enacted upon better promises. Even better promises. And that's how covenant men and women. But God is faithful. Do you believe that? I said this earlier. There is no stronger word than covenant. Now we know a man and a woman that come together in marriage are in covenant, right? But how many of you know it takes both of them to be committed to covenant? To have a covenant marriage, right? Well, can I tell you today, God's committed. God's committed to you. Amen? Do you believe that? He's committed to you. But are you in covenant committed to him? Or are we acting wickedly toward the promises that he's given us? The covenant promises become the bedrock of our salvation. They become the bedrock of our life. So when the storms come and we're trying to take our land, we're we're on solid ground. Amen? We can move into our prophetic assignment. Jesus said it this way. Y'all know these verses? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Now, everybody likes to quote the part, ask whatever you wish. Oh, yeah, the Lord said I could ask anything in his name. Well, can we put this in context? Are you abiding in him? And is his word, his covenant abiding in you? And you'll pray according to covenant, and guess what? Hallelujah. It'll be done for you. He said another account. He said, if you will abide or continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine. True disciples are not people that just do a discipleship course. Okay, and I've written a few over the years, so. Yeah, true discipleship is really how it impacts your life and how you live before God, and you will know the truth. That's another verse everybody quotes. The truth will make you free. That's not what he said. He said if you abide in it and apply it to your life, it'll it'll free you, right? Everybody okay? Only those who are faithful to covenant can expect to rise up and do great exploits. Now, I want to say something. I have a church in Tempe that I'm, I'm wanting to grow and be strong. I know you guys are. and you, I, I mean, I'm, I want everybody to understand what I'm saying. I'm not being critical. But many churches work at developing community and everybody being connected. Is that healthy? Absolutely. Family, with family comes security. Right? How many know we need that? And when our churches aren't healthy in that area, it's a lot of strife. 
in confusion, and most pastors are ready to quit. Right? All the pastors said amen. But, so, I'm not saying that's not important. But I think one of the more significant, I just gave it away. One of the most important areas that we need to help people understand is people need to know their lives count for something. It's significance. Amen? We need to know our life counts for something. Think about this. You weren't saved by works. Okay? But you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right? If you're saved by works, you're working to get saved and you're, you're, you're in religion. You're just trying to be good enough. Right? Right? But when you understand that you're totally saved by grace, but you also understand but you also were called to something. It said that God prepared beforehand that you and I would walk in. That's why we got to be prophetic. We're not prophetic. How can you know what God prepared beforehand? There's not a book of Rick in the Bible. There's not a book of Jeremy. Are you all with me? I've got to know prophetically what it is that God has for me. Does that make sense? And so God is calling us to something. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. To not merely get saved, go to church, be good people. Should we get saved, go to church, and be good people? Absolutely. But we also have a destiny. Amen? We have a prophetic assignment from God. Jesus said, come and follow me. He's calling us to be ambassador of his, of his kingdom. You were born again. Nicodemus didn't come and ask Jesus, what do I need to do to go to heaven? That's not what Nicodemus said. He said, Lord, there's no doubt you're from God. Because nobody could do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you be born again, you can't see. He was explaining to him the power of demonstration of the kingdom of God. And he said, if you'll be born again, you can see it. He went in the later, two verses later, he said, if you'll be born again, you can enter it. How I many of you can't enter what you don't see? Prophetically, you can't enter what you don't see. That's why the prophetic is so strong. Personal prophecy, corporate words. We can't enter what we don't see. And God's wanting us to see. Lord, open our eyes. Amen? Lord, open our eyes. So I, I just want to tell you, I appreciate the security of our spiritual family. I appreciate that. We need that, right? But also the significance of why God has us on this planet. That first generation that came out of Egypt, most of them didn't place a priority on the kingdom. They didn't place a priority in crossing over, and they didn't, and they died there. They were paralyzed in fear and passivity took over and they ended up in sin. But the Joshua generation answered the call. Anybody want to be a part of that generation? Amen. The Yeshua generation. The Lord told Joshua, arise and cross over. And Joshua told the people, I want you to start to prepare yourselves. How many of you, if you're going to get a breakthrough, we're going to move in. There's the breakthrough, but there's also the preparation to move over. It's not always instant. But interestingly, the night before they crossed over, Joshua went back through the camp of the people and said this, Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So today's, and consecration is about the heart. It really is. It's, it's, it's not about just being faithful. It's about getting your heart right for the purposes of God. I'm going to close in a few minutes, and we're going to deal with that, okay? So I want you to keep your heart open because sometimes we've thought, I don't know that my heart can change any more than it has. And that's a lie from the enemy because God's wanting to do something really powerful. Passivity is dangerous because it doesn't feel like sin. It doesn't violate the Ten Commandments, does it? Not directly, does it? To be passive, eh, lukewarm. So we tend to kind of think, you know, it doesn't feel like sin. But how many know that's a deception? 
It's a huge deception. That's why God said, I would rather you be cold or hot, at least you know what you are. But when you're passive, you just don't realize what you've settled for. You settled for less. God's called us to be significant. New life, you're going to have a significant impact on this city and community. Amen? Significance is what God's called us to. But because they rebelled against the prophetic promises of God, they ended up in sin. The Bible says some of them craved evil. If you crave something, guess what? They developed an appetite for evil. Whenever I see something in me developing that I know is evil and unrighteous, as a Christian, I always know there's too much idleness in my life. Anybody with me? Am I the only human in the room? See, we don't do well when we're not at task at hand. Amen? Our hands on the plow. Some of them became idolaters. And look how he described them. They sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Sounds like Americans. Because after all, this gospel's for us, right? Hello? You now see how that's idolatry? It's all about my comfort. Don't shout me down. Some of them became immoral. We don't have any problems with that in the American church. Some of them, some of them tried the Lord. You remember what, how they tried him? They accused him of bringing them out to kill him in the wilderness. They had the nerve to say that to a God who delivered them from hundreds of years of slavery. To say, you brought us out here to kill us. We'd rather go back and be slaves. Are you with me? We wonder why there's snakes in the church. Whew. And some of them grumbled against the Lord. Nobody, none of you ever grumble. And they were destroyed by the destroyer. The devil gains opportunity. I'm not here to magnify the devil today. But I am here to say, we got to wise up. That was written for our example. And the only thing I can see is, I, I just don't think people who are chasing after God fall into that stuff. When I'm running after God, I remember when I would take the youth groups out. You would come out with your youth group, and we'd go out. I remember, for the most part, the kids that were seriously after God, we had no problems. We were all too tired to have problems. And we were serving God, and the kids were seeing things. And I would even drive back with them. I know you had this, too. I don't even want to go back. You know, stuff we made them give up during discipleship, you know. I don't care. I don't need my rollers and my curlers. What? That's a joke because one of the girls brought her rollers on a camping missions trip. And uh, her electric rollers, her electric ones. Couldn't find that outlet in the tent anywhere. We had a cheap tents. But, uh, but if I took them to Six Flags, oh, my God. Are y'all with me? And I'm telling you guys, there's something to this. And I don't believe you just fall into things when you're pursuing your inheritance. I believe that. It's one of the ways we stay clean. I want to encourage you with something. There's a verse in John 1. I, I don't think I gave it to the guys, but let me just read it to you. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overpower it. Everybody say the light shines in the darkness. We try to avoid darkness, and God said, I want you to go shine in it. Arise and shine. Talk to me for your Light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the peoples, the glory of the Lord will shine upon you. We're the ones that are on to be on the offensive. Amen? Not being offended. On offense, not defense. How about that? 
shining in darkness. Now, in Isaiah, we all just quoted Isaiah 60. The two verses before it actually set that up. And unfortunately, because of chapter breaks, we stop and we don't connect them. But there's no break in this prophecy. Look at it with me. So they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. He will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, we skipped a verse. Go back to Isaiah 59. Let me just read it to you. Um, A redeemer will come to Zion. Yeah, it jumped from 19 to 60. But anyway, let me read it to you. Uh, A redeemer will come to Zion, and those who turn from Jerusalem. Here's what I want you to get to. As for me, this is my covenant with them. Look what he says. This is my covenant. Everybody say covenant. Says the Lord, my spirit which is upon you and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth or from the mouth of your offspring or from the mouth of your offspring, offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. In other words, God's saying, this is how you walk in covenant with me. Are y'all getting this? With the anointing of the spirit on your life and his word in your mouth, you'll walk in And then he says, arise and shine. That's how we arise and shine. Y'all receive that? I know some of you are thinking, well, I know this, but we don't know anything that we're not doing. We might know about it, but we don't know it unless it becomes a part of us. And I feel like the Lord is, is shaking us up in this time. Those who keep covenant will arise and shine in the darkness, and the Lord promises darkness will not overcome us. Some of you get intimidated. You start talking about outreach and doing this and going to this part of the community and reaching out to these people here or there. I'm telling you, nothing shows the glory of God more than when you're around darkness. Amen? God wants to show off in the dark places and bring us, bring us forth. I'm, we're not going to read the parable, but I wanted to share it with you. Most of you have heard it. There's a parable that Jesus taught. He said this, the kingdom is like unto this. Always remember that. This is what the kingdom is like. That's why they're parables, okay? Everybody with me? He said the kingdom is like unto this. There was a man who had a vineyard, and he went out and he hired laborers to work in his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them one denarii, which was a day's wage. It was a common wage for a day's work, which was 12 hours. Six to six. The Bible, Jesus said he went back out about nine and hired some more laborers. He went back out at noon and hired some more laborers. He went about mid-afternoon. But then he went out one last time at five o'clock in the 11th hour. He went out and he asked some guys, why aren't you working? He said, nobody hired us. He said, nobody hired us. And he hired them. Well, when the work day was over, for them it was pretty short. When the work day was over, he paid them first and he gave them a day's wage. So the other guys are thinking, bonus, right? Surely, surely we're going to get as much as at least twice what these guys got. We've been out here all day in the sun working, right? And he gave them the same thing. And he said, did I not pay you what I agreed to pay you? Remember, this is what the kingdom is like. And I said, Lord, I just still don't understand it. I know I've heard all the sermons, God's kingdom's an upside-down kingdom. Of course, then Jesus makes the classic statement. The last shall be first. The first shall be last. And I thought, Lord, what are you really saying? And I believe prophetically. Y'all hear my heart. I do believe prophetically we're in the 11th hour. I do believe that. I I don't make light of when I was saying the prophecies and all the predictions. I do believe we're in the 11th hour. I believe. Well, I know one thing. We're closer to the end of the age than anybody else that's ever lived. How about that? Can I go out on a limb there and make that statement? Okay. But I believe we're in the 11th hour, and I really believe this speaks of something. 
that the Lord is getting ready to bring increase and acceleration of things that others labored over for the longest time, but it's getting ready to come in in a culmination of a restoration of all things. Are you all with me? And I believe there's going to be something very, very powerful. Here's what the enemy would say. For some of you, I want to tell you, you might say, well, I've kind of squandered opportunities. I, you know, I had times I could have really gone after this thing for God and entered into my destiny and I didn't do it for whatever reason or I became disenchanted or disappointed or hurt or frustrated. Have I named your offense yet? Or it could be, you know, I just, you know, I didn't have the faith for it at the time. And I hear the Lord saying, as we enter into this time, he said, I'm hiring you. Remember Jesus said about the harvest? He said, the harvest is plentiful. I, we don't have enough workers. He said, beseech the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers. The Lord in this hour is raising up laborers. He's raising up a remnant that's going to stand for everything the covenant stands for. Amen? Everything that has been restored this last hundred years especially is not ever meant to be just a, well, that was what happened in the 50s, and that was the word of faith movement, and that was the intercession movement, and that was the prophetic movement. No, it's all these streams come together that make up the river of God. Amen? And they flow, and I know I preached that message here before too a couple of years ago. But God's told me more and more, we're in the 11th hour. And in the 11th hour, if you'll rise up and say, Lord, hire me, he's going to show his glory through you. And you will, you will have just as much anointing and just as much acceleration of things of God as anybody else. Do you not think God is not gracious enough to forgive us for our passivity? Amen. And our lack of oomph to move forward in God. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I hope you receive that right now. We need to ask him. You may feel like it's too late. And I was driving up here this morning. I wrote it down. Yes, driving on I-40. I wrote it down. Aren't you glad? And I'm here. But my wife didn't come with me, so it you know. Yeah. The Jewish people are going to be grafted back in in the 11th hour. Just stay with me. Are they not? All these years, of, for the most part, rejecting the gospel, they're going to come back in. So I thought I had a sound effect right there. They're going to come right back in. Are you all with me? Are they not? And there's even prophetic words that say they will move in a power and an anointing like we've never seen. Jewish apostles and things like that. And I, 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 I believe all of that. Let me say this to you. That's just the way it works in the kingdom. And then the Lord spoke to me. Do you remember what he says about Paul's argument in Romans about that? People have trouble with it. He goes, because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That doesn't mean they repent. It meant God never takes back what he gave. In fact, one translation says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They can't be revoked. So even if you know, I know I got a gift, and I know I got a calling, but pastor, I haven't been walking in it. Start walking in it. Because it didn't go away. Everybody look at me. That's why you're miserable. I had to accept that in my life. That's why I was miserable. I wasn't flowing in what I was supposed to flow in. And when you run after that, it changes everything. You all with me? And I want to say to some of you that are my age or older, and that's a lot of you. Some of us are a lot older than me. Joshua and Caleb were in their 80s when they led them youngins into the promised land. Caleb said this. Remember this? He said, I'm 85 now, but I'm as strong as I was when I first got the word 40 years ago. 
Come on, guys. See, there's something supernatural when you're going after God. Some of you, there's a strength that's going to come back to you. Even in your old age, God's going to use you. It's the spirit of Elijah. I will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and then the heart of the children to the fathers. And we're getting ready to see transgenerational ministry like we've never seen. But all of us have got to accept the fact and understand. Maybe I've been idly sitting by. It's very common in Arizona to see a bunch of people, being honest, mainly illegal, sitting at Home Depot waiting to get hired. And if you drive by there in a truck, even if you're not hiring anybody, they'll almost jump in your truck. Because they think that's why you came by there. And I'm just using that as an example. There's an eagerness that God, we need to show in the spirit. Say, Lord, I'm ready to go after the things of God. Are y'all with me? It is not too late. His calling upon your life is irrevocable. Now, oh, this is it. You ready? I want us to close with this, and I want us to have a time of worship. And, but here's what I want to. David was a man after God's heart. Do we agree? He's the only man that really had a heart fully after God. That's what the Bible says. When he was asked as a king what he wanted, he said, there's only one thing I want. One thing that I desire. He could have asked for anything. He says, there's only one thing I really want. I want what? To dwell in the house of the Lord and to behold his beauty and his glory. Amen. That's all I want. That's what David wanted. That's something he developed on the backside of the desert with a bunch of sheep. He'd already developed that lifestyle. Amen. He was a heart after God. And yet, it says this in the Bible. You ask people about David, some will remember his triumphs. Some will remember his songs. We sing them till this day. Right? Some, though, will remember. You can almost tell where people are. They'll remember Bathsheba. Right? Which, to them, discounts everything. And do you remember what set that up? Stay with me. It said, at a time when the kings went to war, David stayed back. And then he saw Bathsheba bathing and desired for her and went and laid with her because you didn't tell the king no. And he went and laid, and we all know the story. David ignores that it even happened. They lost the child, and he went on about business as usual and never repented. And finally, the Lord sent a prophet to him because he loved David. When God sends a prophet, you think it's being hard on you? God's trying to shake your cage. Are y'all with me? God's trying to, are y'all with me? And the Lord came to him through this prophet and spoke to him. And the, the bottom line was the prophet gave a story and said, well, you the man that I'm talking about. David repented. And in Psalm 51, he cried out to God. He said, cleanse me with hyssop and, you know, make me white as snow and all of that. But the best part of the prayer, the best part of the prayer was when he said this, create in me, what? A clean heart. That doesn't mean pure in the sense what we think to be cleaned up. It literally means that the passions of my heart flow toward you and you only. That all the streams of my heart go toward you. Renew. He said create. Then he said renew a right spirit. I think David was saying I need to have a different spirit. When it's time to go to war, I need to go to war. Amen? I, 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 need, to, I need to keep my hands on the plow. I don't need to back off because that didn't go well. Amen? And then he said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Now, how many of you know, in the old covenant, the Spirit would come and lift. In the new covenant, the Spirit was given to you as a pledge, a down payment, and God will never take it away. So I don't ever really pray that because that's, that's, not, that's, that's unbelief. To pray that he would just take his Holy Spirit away from me because I blew it. He won't do that. I, that. Otherwise, then I would never be able to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit, right? 
But because I can, it goes to show he doesn't take his presence from you. Aren't you glad? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Even to our generation. I won't desert you. So he, so he said, create me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. And then he said this, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That's been my prayer in tears lately. He said, Lord, I want my joy back. Are y'all with me? I want my joy back. Because I, I, I'll tell you what, doing ministry is rewarding, but it is a drag when you don't have joy. Hello? When you don't have joy, what do we know joy is? It's the presence of the Lord, but it's also the strength that he gives us. And we need joy, amen? You know what? You get back into these precious covenant promises and start experiencing their magnificence, you'll get your joy back too, amen? Start fighting, amen? Start getting back in covenant again and, and, and shore that area up. And joy will return. Your worship life will go to another level, amen? Amen? I want joy more than just Sunday morning when it's a song that I really like. I want the joy of just getting up and serving him. Amen. And he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And then the last, so he said, create, renew, restore. And then my favorite one is sustain me with a willing spirit. Anybody ever want that? How many of you tired of repenting of things and having to repent of it again later? How many of you... Come on. Thank you, ma'am. How many of you tired of repenting of the same thing? How about that? You remember when the Pharisees came to be baptized and Jesus said, Who warned you to flee the wrath that was to come? You bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Oh, boy. You mean I got to stick with this decision? And I heard the Lord say, Ask me for a willing spirit. And I thought when Jesus was battling with the will of God and his will in Gethsemane, Back and forth. He finally came to a place where he said, not my will, but your will be done. And then the Bible tells us later, with joy, he went to the cross. Wow. Are y'all getting this? There's something that shifts and changes. And I believe there's a sustaining, willing spirit. It's a grace, I believe, to where we can keep with our repentant prayers and walk with God. Anybody want that? Anybody want that? And then he says, then, come on now. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Anybody want to be effective in winning the lost and ministering to people? Amen. That's when it happens. When we get our heart right according to the purposes of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just stand up with me this morning? Jesus, 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 Jesus. I know this is kind of a message that can come off a little bit heavy. But it's time, guys. And I know it's a prophetic message for this hour. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just close your eyes and just... I. There's a verse in Ephesians that says, If you will awake and arise, O sleeper, as from the dead, Christ will shine on you. And I say that to some of you with great hope. As we repent this morning, the Lord's going to shine on you. Did you hear me? The Lord is going to shine on you. 
Jesus. Jesus. If I could lead you in a prayer this morning, and I just want you to, if these words resonate with your heart, I want you just to pray them out loud with me to the Lord. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me as we do this. But I want to also challenge you, even if you're praying something in faith, because you don't even know if you fully know what you're praying, I just encourage you to pray it anyway. Just like when we sing songs about our adoration for the Lord, and we know we're not there yet. But see, God's wanting to get us there. Are y'all ready? Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I consecrate my heart to you. For I choose this day to believe that you saved me and you delivered me for a purpose. I consecrate my heart to the covenant of your precious and your magnificent promises. Release over me a spirit of faith to take your word and to abide in it and to see every promise be manifest. I declare today your promises are precious and magnificent. Show your glory through my life, through my family, through my marriage, through my ministry. Show your glory, Lord. Show your glory, Lord. In the darkest places, shine on me and shine through me. And I declare, for such a time as this, I say no to fear. And I receive your courage today. I receive your boldness today by the Holy Spirit.